KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. At the time, we're still kids and not understanding the impact we had on so many people. Even 20 years later, I could be dropping my kids off somewhere, and somebody can be like, hey, hey, what's up, Dwayne? I remember, oh, man, that was a great run. I was at this game or that game. And just to just see this, the smiles on people's faces 20 years later from the memories we were able to create is just amazing. And our guest this week, Dwayne Jones, who just came back to Hawk Hill as an assistant coach on Billy Lang's staff. Of course, Dwayne Jones was a star for the Hawks, a key part of that team for St. Joe's that just had a magical season back in 2003-2004. And Dwayne, thanks so much for taking the time. Oh, thank you for having me. So let's talk a little bit, uh, coming back to, to St. Joe's. Is it a little surreal to be back on campus? Uh, yeah, definitely. It's 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 surreal being back i mean the campus has changed so much you know i think i left almost 20 years ago and you know see the the growth of the campus it's 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 kind of a great it's amazing to be back i mean it's your alma mater so obviously it's a special place for you but what made this opportunity the right one for you at this time in your career i think you know just obviously my relationship with with coach lang uh you know going back many years uh, you know funny story his, his wife was my academic advisor when i was at st joe's so you know, I know, you know, known the family for a long time. So that was a big part of it. You know, obviously, you know, coming back to my alma mater has, has been great. And honestly, like, the, you know, the, the great group of guys we have, staff and players, like it's, it's been it's a great time to be back on Hawkeye. Did you always figure during your playing days that you would coach eventually? Uh, honestly, it was something I probably started thinking about uh, my late 20s, probably 28, 29, still playing. Um you know, I was actually uh, down in uh, with the Texas Legends at the time, the G League uh, Dallas team. And, you know, just in the course of playing down there, um, the GM at the time uh, was just, you know, talking to me one day. And he was like, I, I think maybe one day, like, you could be a coach just by, you know, your presence, you know, on the floor or the way, you, you know, or, you know, trying to help your teammates and the way you're explaining the information that you're getting from the coaching staff. Like, that could be a path you could choose one day. And that was kind of like the first time I honestly, like, thought about it and then just kind of turned into what it turned into once you started it did it take right away like once you kind of got waist deep into it you were like yes this is this is where i need to be uh it, it took a it took a year or two because honestly for me I, I transitioned literally from i was playing i was 33 at the time i was in between if i still wanted to continue to play you know i had a young family at the time my oldest was in second grade my youngest was in kindergarten and you know it, it took a probably a year year and a half to kind of get out of that player's mindset and really start to like lock in on all the details that go into coaching. And, you know, I, I could not have asked for a, a better opportunity to to intern with the Sixers at the time. And I was around a, a lot of great coaches, Coach Brown, Lloyd Pierce, Billy Lang, Kevin Young, John Bryan. I was around a lot of great coaches, Jim O'Brien, who all kind of, you know, took me under their wing and kind of helped guide me. You talk about that transition in that first year of coaching. How difficult was it to stop playing? Because I know for a lot of guys, that is a tough time when you're kind of weighing that. And a lot of times the physical aspect comes into a, what are you, what are you capable of doing? But were you at peace at it or did it kind of gnaw at you that you still, every time you maybe the phone rang, you thought, well, maybe I can give it one more try. There was a little, there was a couple of times where like, oh man, I could still play. But, you know, l luckily for me, I, I was, you know, my first probably year and a half with the Sixers, all, all I was really doing was a lot of playing. So I was on the floor with a lot of guys. So I was still able to compete, just not with a jersey on when, it, you know, when it came, you know, seven o'clock in game time. So 
I was able to, you know, still be able to play and hoop that way, but also start to slowly get into the coaching part of it. So let's talk about your life growing up. Uh, were you just basketball all the time as a kid or were you playing whatever was going on, you know, in the neighborhood or at school? Probably majority of it was was basketball. Uh, honestly, like growing up, I, I little part of me wanted to play football just because that's what my dad did. Uh, he, he played at University of West Virginia, or excuse me, West Virginia University. And that was kind of always, you know, I always thought about playing football. I think, you know, he saw the the, the skinny kid that was like, ah, I don't think football is for you. So basketball, probably from the time I was eight or nine years old is kind of the, the path I've taken. Played a little bit of soccer in high school, but yeah, mostly it was all basketball for me. When did you start to realize that you were getting maybe a little more attention with basketball than other kids and maybe you were getting picked for teams and stuff like that before everybody else uh, was there kind of a tangible moment uh yeah i think for me it was probably probably around 13 or 14 going into eighth grade going into high school and just having you know a couple people say like hey you actually might be able to might be able to get a scholarship you might be able to, to go to school playing basketball and that was kind of my first like okay maybe i could do this and then being around you know jameer and some of the other guys you know in chester you know, being able to kind of keep up and seeing the attention they were getting and understanding like I could, you know, I'm on the floor with these guys. So that's when it kind of started to really think about me, like just like kind of focusing in on it. So when you start looking at colleges, were there other schools in the mix for your services or was it always going to be St. Joe's? Uh, no, I had a, a, you know, a few schools on my list, took an official visit to uh, Virginia Tech. Uh, I went to Rhode Island. Uh, I know early on uh, Villanova was was in a little bit early when I was in like 10th, 11th grade. I remember taking an unofficial visit there. But yeah, I, I would probably say there was a big chunk of me that kind of always thought in the back of my mind I was going to go to St. Joe's. And obviously uh, having two of my uh, AAU teammates go there ahead of me and Jameer Nelson and uh, Jeff Miller, I think that kind of was always going to probably be where I ended up going. So when you go there, what's the transition like? I mean, from a social standpoint and from a basketball standpoint, did it take a little while to adjust to life on campus and to adjust to, to college basketball or did, was it a pretty seamless move? Yeah, I would say it, it took a little time adjusting for me. I think like most kids, you know, you go from you know, being a man in high school when you're thinking, okay, I'm going to show up on college campus and, you know, just being confident in myself, like, ah, oh, you know, I'm going to get there and I'm going to play a bunch of minutes. I, you know, I was playing with Jameer a couple of years ago. And now I'm back playing with Jameer. Like, it'll be fine. But, I, you know, coming here, I remember after that first practice and I was like, oh, all right, <laughs> I'm, I'm out here with some grown men. So, uh, you know, it, it took a little bit, thankfully. Uh, you know, for me, I was kind of able to, at the time, it was it was a little rough redshirting. But I think for me, it was the, with the best part to able to kind of sit back my first year, get adjusted to the college life on the floor and off the floor. Do you remember kind of going along with that the first moment when you felt like, oh yeah, I can do this. I'm I'm going to be fine. Uh yeah, I think it was probably I remember we had a walkthrough. This is my redshirt year. We had a walkthrough like at Villanova and I just remember like being on a scout team and just and, you know playing really well and I was like, all right, yeah. It's, it is it'll take a little bit but I think next year when I get my opportunity, I think I'll be able to to handle this. So you're part of uh, arguably the greatest group that went through St. Joe's. That 2003-2004 season, take me to the preseason and what is it kind of, what's the vibe like? It, you know, what were the expectations in the locker room with, with you guys of what you guys were capable of that year? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think kind of going off the previous year, you know, making it to the NCAA tournament that year, uh, losing in the first round, but then realizing like we got the same group of guys back. 
like fortunately Jim Jabir came back, which is obviously a, a huge part, but you know, looking in the locker room and realizing like most of the guys in the locker room, we've been together for two to three years at this point. We we know each other's game, we're confident in what we can do. And I think with, with that mindset and also just how competitive we were with each other, it, it was always like a friendly rivalry. It didn't matter who was playing against who. We were always trying to make the other one better and you know, beat the other one. And I, and I think, you know, that was always a, a big part for us because, like, I think I think our practices were more competitive than games at times just because we all wanted to win so bad. But we were able to focus in when it came time for games to understand, like, hey, we're all in this together. So you guys run the table during that regular season. You get to the number one ranking. Was there a point in the year where you, it was tangible that things were different? Like all of a sudden you've got a dozen guys coming to practice to talk to you. Could you tell, or was it a, a kind of a slow burn that you were getting a little bit more attention, a little bit more attention as things went on? Uh, yeah, I think for us, for the most part, it was, it was kind of like a slow burn. Like we were ranked all year and it was like slowly like creeping up the rankings and you know we would kind of pay attention to you know some of the other guys other other teams that were ranked at the time and undefeated and you know once one of those guys lost we're like okay we're still in this we're still in this and then I just I remember I think the the Eagles that year um, lost in the conference championship unfortunately and it literally felt like the next day the entire city was just focused on us and we're like Oh, all right. Here we go. It's, it's, it's go time. Was that difficult to deal with? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think, uh, you know, Coach Martelli did a, did a great job of just getting us to understand, like, whatever we had done previously didn't matter. It was all about the next game and just focusing in on the next game. I don't think at any point throughout that season we talked about we're going undefeated, this and that. It was just like, who's the next opponent? And that you know, I, I got to give credit to Coach Martelli and the coaching staff. Like, they did a great job of keeping us focused on just the, that next day. What are some of your favorite memories from that regular season? Like, are there a couple games or a couple moments that really stand out? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, starting the year in Madison Square Garden against Gonzaga, I think we, we were ranked, they were ranked. It was it was a big matchup, just, you know, the, just the energy in the building. It was super exciting. We were out in California and we played Cal that year in Oakland. Like that, you know, big, big energy feel, you know, playing in NBA arena, like that, that was fun. Uh, and even some of the other games we had, I mean, Rhode Island, Rhode Island had always been tough for us. And that was a game like it was it was back and forth until the end. And, you know, thankfully, we were able to, to pull that game out. But, yeah, just some of those games like that was just, you know, just incredible along the run. You talked about you had a, a history playing with Jameer and Delonte West was a big key part of that. Those two guys were kind of the top offensive threats. You know, what was it like kind of playing alongside them and some of the things they do and the clutch shots they would make and stuff like that? What did it get hard not to take for granted that these guys are going to do special things? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it got to a point where we just expected it. We knew we had to do our jobs to make sure they did their job. You know, I think uh, me and John Bryan still joke to this day, you know, we call ourselves the All-American Screeners because, you know, we just, you know, we try to get those guys open, get Pat Carroll open, get Chet, up, get Chet open and kind of get out the way and go rebound. And if we occasionally got a pass, we had to catch it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, th those playing with those guys were, were amazing. And yeah, there were there were definitely times where it was like, all right, Jameer got us. Oh, Delonte has us. Oh, Pat has us. So we just, you know, we kind of had to do our job and stay out of the way. <laughs> so you get to the NCAA tournament, you're a one seed. And I was there. I actually covered your guys' uh, selection Sunday party that day. 
and the memory that is burned in my head is your name's not up on the board for five seconds. Billy Packer, the CBS analyst, just couldn't wait to unload and how he didn't think you guys were a one seed. You know, in the time, you've got to be diplomatic and stuff like that. But did that irritate the group? Was it fuel? Because I just thought it was in poor taste. If you feel that way, fine. Give these kids that have worked so hard their moment, and then maybe we can discuss. Like, how did it land with you guys? Uh, it was just another chip on our shoulder, honestly. You know, I think most of us, I think all of us, you know, at one point in our lives had been doubted and talked about and, you know, Little St. Joe's and, you know, under-recruited and things like that. So it, I think at that point, we just used it as fuel. Like, we were like, okay, all right, that's fine. We we understand how you feel, but all right, we'll, we'll show you. We'll have an opportunity. You'll, you'll see come uh, Thursday when that game, when we play that first game. And then, you know, we play the next game. And I believe, I think he went to Wake Forest. Yes. 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 Okay. So. I know that was one of the, the notches on our belt that year. So, you know, it, it was we, – we definitely took it as fuel. How much just fun was that experience? To be a one seed, to win those three games, you get, you know, out of the first weekend, so you've got another week to kind of basket it, and all the attention you guys got. It was it was fun for the city. How much fun was it to be in the middle of it? I mean, it, it was exciting. I mean, it, it was fun. You know, honestly, like looking back at it, I, I remember – more of the times off the floor than on the floor because there was so much excitement obviously on campus in the city you know with you know, being in whether it's the cafeteria whether it was you know walking around at acme like people were just excited about us and you know we were just excited to get another another opportunity to you know to play and, and to be together what was coach martelli like during this because he was everywhere from a media standpoint and i think that was a little bit by design is he handled a lot of the distractions so you guys just play and if i'm speaking out of school but that that's what it felt like to me as somebody in the media but what was it like being with him during the, that run i mean it, it was great because honestly like coach martelli never changes he he was always it didn't matter what happened the day before a week before like every time it was time to come focus in on practice it was always focusing on practice and i think he did a great job of letting us just focus on basketball. So you get to Oklahoma State in the Elite Eight. You play Oklahoma State, and you guys battle. Great game goes back and forth. John Lucas hits that three. What is going through your mind as that ball's in the air? Uh, I mean, it, it happened in slow motion because, I mean, I, you know, honestly, I, I remember at halftime of that game thinking to myself, like, I think we might go to the Final Four. I mean, the game's not over, but I think we got a chance. And I just, you know, I remember it was back and forth, back and forth. And, you know, the shot goes up and it's like, oh, my goodness, we're, we're down. And I, you know, still I remember running back on offense and I was like, OK, Jameer has the ball. We're at least going overtime. And I just, you know, up until that shot unfortunately missed, I still was thinking like, OK, we're we're still going to win this game. And, you know, once that didn't happen, that it was we were still kind of all just in shock. But we, I don't think we were able to kind of comprehend like that it was actually over. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Like, how long did it take to really sink in? Um, I mean, it, it, it took a little while, honestly. But, I, you know, I remember us, you know, being in the locker room and people are crying and upset. And, you know, it was just, you know, again, it was, it was just crazy to, re to realize it was over with. But I remember us getting on the bus and going back to the hotel and the hotel was just full of St. Joe's people. And they were all there supporting us. And we were like, like, wow, like this is bigger than us. And it's going to continue to be bigger than us. But 
everybody was there to embrace us and just, you know, you know, obviously everybody was down, but everybody was just proud of what we had, the point we had gotten. So, yeah. And that, that leads like, because I think a lot of times when you're, you know, that college age, you, you know what you did, like you understand it, but the impact you had on the school, on the alumni, on the city, on college basketball, you know, it seems like, like moments like that, it really did kind of pitch you in the face. Like, wow, this was kind of more than an undefeated regular season and a number one seed. Like this kind of transcended that. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, I think it, you know, for us, it, it took probably years. Cause yeah, at the time, you know, we're all, you know, 20, 21, 19, like we're still kids and not understanding like the, the impact we had on so many people, even 20 years later, I could be dropping my kids off, you know, somewhere and somebody can be like, Hey, hey, what's up, Dwayne? I remember, oh man, that was a great run. I was at this game or that game. And just to just see this, the smiles on people's faces 20 years later from, you know, the memories we were able to, to create is, is just amazing. So the next year you come back, obviously Delonte, Jameer, you guys still had a lot of, you guys are still a very good team, but the two headliners go to the NBA. What's it like coming into camp that year? And also, I've also always wonder when you have a run like that and it's like climbing a mountain, you know, and it's, it's hard and every game gets exponentially harder the next year, regardless of who's coming back, when you start over at ground level, like, is that difficult? emotionally to kind of get back that all right regardless we got to go through 30 more games and got to do all this like is it difficult under normal circumstances but then also you know when you you're kind of looking at the the squad without your two leading scores like that uh yeah i mean there were we definitely you know had to refocus obviously we lost you know two first round picks but again i think i'll give credit to coach martelli i think he he did a great job of galvanizing that team and saying like hey jameer delante are gone we still have a lot of good pieces here. Guys are going to have to pick it up, but I still believe in this locker room. So that gave us the confidence to believe in ourselves. How did your game evolve over your career at St. Joe's? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I think each year I got, I was able to, to get a little bit more responsibility on both ends of the floor. Um, you know, I, I'll give credit to Coach Matt Brady for just kind of staying in my ear and trying to get, keep me focused, you know, on my growth, you know, from my redshirt year up until the undefeated year. And then the year after when Mike Rice came in, like everybody did a good job with me just trying to get me to understand like what I needed to do and how I needed to improve like every year, whether it was in the weight room, going to summit sports training, you know, trying to get bigger and stronger and, and faster and more athletic and just again try to try to understand you know the, the potential I could have we need to take a break we will have more with St. Joseph's University assistant men's basketball coach Dwayne Jones right after this this is one-on-one -on -one. and we are back on one-on-one -on -one, continuing our conversation with former St. Joe's men's basketball star and current St. Joe's men's assistant basketball coach Dwayne Jones you were a great rebounder. How much of rebounding is physical attributes, you know, taller, faster, and how much of it is is one-two, and how much of it is film, positioning, cerebral? Like, how would you kind of put that pie together as far as what goes into being a great rebounder? Um, I mean, I, I, I would say probably 50-plus percent of it is a one-two. I think there's just desire to shot goes up, like, I'm going to get this basketball. Nobody else is going to get this basketball. It, I'm grabbing it. I don't care. You know, obviously, like being athletic and, and being quick to it is it, key. And then, you know, studying film and getting used to your teammates, like, you know, how they miss. I know for me, I would 
not just being playing with guys. I understood, okay, if Pat's shooting, the shot's going to go this way. If Chet's shooting, the shot's going to go this way. Okay, if Jameer drives and he misses the layup, okay, this is where I got to go. So I think it's, it's a combination of all of it. But I, for me, I think it's, it's just just the one to the grit to understand, like, you got to get in there, got to get dirty. My, my philosophy was always, you know, first man to the ball. Got to go get the ball. Did you think professional basketball was a legitimate opportunity for you your entire college career like obviously you're focused on the year and what you're doing with the Hawks but were you always like I've got a chance to take this or was it something that you felt like as your career progressed it became more and more the obvious next step um I think for me it, it was gradual thing you know I, I, I'm not gonna lie and say like when I got to St. Joe's I was like okay I'm gonna go to St. Joe's and go to the NBA it was and I wanted to play basketball as long as I could and just naturally just being at St. Joe's and just getting opportunities, whether it was, you know, working at an Adidas camp in between years and stuff like that. And then obviously playing with two first round picks and seeing those guys make it. I'm like, hey, I think I could get there as well. You know, I've played with these guys. I've been able to be in the gym. I've gone to John Arnett workouts and, you know, been in the gym with pros. And I, you know, believe I could hold my own. So I think for me, it was just a, just a gradual belief in myself and putting in the work and people believing in me. So when you start the professional journey, you know, what was it like from the time that the St. Joe season ends and you kind of can focus all your energy on being a pro to the time you signed your first contract? Uh, it was a whirlwind, honestly. You know, I think once the season ended uh, that year, unfortunately, uh, losing in the, the NIT finals, I think that the next day my mindset was, you know, focusing on a, the pre-draft camp and, and trying to get ready while also trying to finish my classwork and, and graduate. So I was trying to balance those two things out, but my mind and, and focus was definitely on getting ready for you know all the pre-draft stuff, going to workouts, going to Chicago pre-draft camp that year, and you know just kind of going through the whole process. So you signed with Minnesota in the summer of 2005. What's your you know when you first go to an NBA camp? Was it kind of the you know you talk about taking the jump from high school to college? Was it kind of the same thing? Like it feels different taking a, a step to to the NBA level? Uh yeah. It definitely. It was very similar to, in my opinion, my, my freshman year at St. Joe's, like that first year, you know, with Minnesota, even that summer, I remember we, we had a workout and remember playing against Mark Matson and talk about a, a tenacious guy full of energy. And I just remember like playing against him and Mark Weller Candy and Kevin Garnett. And I just remember like, Ooh, okay. <laughs> this, this is different. <laughs> so yeah, it was definitely a, a welcome to the NBA. Like, you know, you're playing with grown men now, grown men who's trying to feed their families. And, you know, this 22 year old kid coming in, like you're trying to take our minutes. So we got something for you. <laughs> did it feel different kind of in the locker room? Like, did it feel like a business? Was there a point where you kind of, you know, because you, you come from a small college, a small campus, you know, obviously high profile program that had these incredible special moments. Did it feel different? And I'm not saying better or worse, but a just a different feel with how everybody approached their business and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's kind of looking back at it. You know, there were definitely moments where I was like, okay, this is a business. This isn't coming to gym for a couple hours and you, then you got class. It's like, no, we're trying to win games, jobs, people's livelihoods depend on how you perform day in and day out. So you make your NBA debut with the Celtics. Do you remember your first game in the NBA, your first regular season game? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I remember, uh, we played against Portland. I remember I was down in the D 
D-League at the time, I think a few days before that. And I know the Celtics had some injuries and they brought me up. And you know, I just remember going through that whole day, going through shoot around, kind of. So that was my first time being active for a game. And I just remember just being excited, like being in the locker room. I remember Brian Scalabrini, great guy, who was kind of just, hey, you got this, kind of being being excited for me, kind of, you know, understanding like he could see the nerves in me a little bit. But you know, it, was, it was great to have him in the locker room and, you know, some of the other other vets. And, you know, I just remember when Coach Rivers called me in and, and put me in the game, I was like, all right. Here we go. And I remember walking out to the floor and I think, uh, I believe Monty McCutcheon was the ref during that game. And I just remember him coming up to me and he said, oh, hey, how you doing, Dwayne? Just wanted to introduce myself. I said, oh, nice to meet you, sir. And, you know, after that, it was a little bit of a blur, but <laughs> it was it was exciting to be out there. So uh, your pro career, you played a lot of games in the NBA, G League, you traveled overseas. What was kind of the routine year to year? Grind, I think, is the word you know, when you're moving around like that, how did you kind of approach every season? Uh, yeah, I mean, I just I viewed every season was it was a grind. You know, I think for me, the, you know, the, the first couple years I was, you know, obviously I was a, a little spoiled just, you know, being, being in the NBA and thinking, OK, I'm going to be in the NBA for 12, 15 years. And then after my third year, realizing, OK, this is a process. This is going to be a journey. And, you know, this the, the grind continues. And there was times of you know, not knowing where I was going to be and having a backpack for this climate, having a backpack for another climate, you know, waiting for a call and short notice. You got to hop on this flight. You got to go here to work out. You got to go there to work out. This team wants to sign you. And then, you know, the overseas part of it. OK, you, you have a deal in China. You have a deal in Dominican Republic. And it was just like, all right, let me get the passport back out. And, you know, this got to keep grinding because it, it definitely was a business. I definitely you know, had to support my family. So it was, you know, it was whatever I had to do. And I, you know, I'll, I'll give a lot of credit to my father, who was a construction worker for 30 plus years. I just, you know, remember him waking up every day at, you know, five, five thirty in the morning, you know, going to work and not complaining because he understood what he needed to do to provide for us. And I, that was just the mentality I had, you know, I just had to, had to grind it out. Kind of to that point, were there tough times though, where you're waiting on a call and you're frustrated and that you kind of looked in the mirror and go, is this, is it worth it? Should I maybe look another way? Or were you always like, we're just going to keep going until we can't go anymore? For me, it was always, just, I was going to keep grinding it out. You know, I, I love playing basketball. Uh, yeah, there were there were definitely moments where it was like, man, I got to go to this country. I got to go to that country, man. All right. You know, I won't I won't see my my kids for six, seven months, but you know, I, I got to go. So there, there were definitely some times when it was definitely, you know, just being in whatever random country I was in just by myself and just looking at the calendar like, man, I got, I guess, three more months. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, was, it was it was a grind. There were some times when. It was rough, but thankfully I have a great wife, a great support staff with my family who, you know, always, always had my back, was always there supporting me, always, you know, gave me what I needed, you know, to get, to get through. I think parts of five years in the NBA, what's your favorite NBA memory from your time? Uh, yeah, I mean, fortunately enough, I was able to be on a team and play with LeBron James for a couple of years and just watching, you know, this was him at, I think, 21, 22 and some of this, the great, amazing things he was able to do. And, you know, that I think, believe it was game five in Detroit when I think he had like 25 out of 26 of our points and obviously making that run to the finals that year was was amazing. You know, it's one of those things where you get to the finals in your second year and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to 
you know, I'm with LeBron James, we're going to go to finals every year. I'm going to get rings and it's going to be great. Um, I mean, that that was a, an exciting time, uh, you know, getting an opportunity to you know, be on a team with, with Steph Curry and Clay and Draymond when this was before they, I think it was the, yeah, their first playoff run together and, and being part of that and seeing like, oh man, he's, I think these guys are pretty good. So, you know, seeing those guys and I've been fortunate enough to be in a locker room with a lot of great players. The time overseas, I think you mentioned a couple of the places, China, Philippines, Venezuela. What was your favorite overseas experience? Yeah, I've, I've had a few. Going to the Philippines was pretty cool just because they're just so excited about basketball. They're just basketball, literally fanatics. And just playing in front of that crowd was was great. Qatar was was interesting. It was a good experience from like a basketball perspective. Venezuela, you know, was was interesting at times with some of the you know uh, you know off the court things and you know just being in a country like that. But the, again, the, the basketball there was was amazing and competitive. And I actually had a, a really good time playing down there and playing against some of those guys. China was was also a good one. So, but yeah, I was, again, I've, I've been blessed to be in a lot of great places. You use the word interesting, and I've talked to a lot of guys that have spanned the globe, and it seems like there's a vast, wide range of experiences you can have. You can have wonderful, they love the basketball and everything, to I knew I had to be the first one to the bank because only half the checks were going to cash, or I had to get out of town before the government fell. Did you have any not even necessarily scary, but just like kind of crazy. This could only happen here moments during your international career. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've had a few, um, remember playing in Turkey. I was only, that was just literally my first experience overseas, uh, being in Turkey for three weeks. And I just remember after like the first couple of weeks, I was like, I don't know if this is, <laughs> this is for me. I remember us, we we're playing, uh, against Cheska in Moscow and I just you know remember how the game was going on I, I didn't play a lot we were down by 20 before I even got in the game and you know I got in the game and nothing really changed and I just remembered at the end of the game the coach just like laying into me and I just remember looking around I was like what is happening <laughs> you know I, we were down by 20 before I got in the game but then you know a couple of the Americans that were that were my teammates were just like hey this is just how it goes just kind of got to roll with it um I mean that that was a crazy story um I remember being in, in Venezuela, getting there, you know, flying in late at night and I had to meet our team. A taxi picked me up from the airport and I remember just like getting pulled over. And I remember just the taxi driver was like, hey, it's OK. It's OK. And I just remember it's being like three in the morning and I got, you know, cops picking me out the car, trying to look through my stuff. And I'm like, all right, what what is going on here? You know, thankfully, you know, nothing ended up happening. But, you know, it was I've, I've had a lot of uh, interesting moments, but, you know, I, I view it all as a, as a learning experience and it's always part of my journey. And what was what was the coolest place you played basketball just from a purely looking around like, wow, I can't believe I'm doing this here. Was there like one place where it's just like, wow, this is incredible uh, overseas? Yeah, I think there was there was a couple of times in, in China. I just remember like being in like Beijing or Shanghai and I was like, oh, wow, this is, you know, with packed crowds and I was like, okay, all right, this is interesting. I never pictured myself when I was a kid in Chester playing in Beijing, China, or being in uh, Qatar, same thing. I was like, yeah, some of these, like, a couple of the countries I went to, I didn't even realize were countries before the uh, formation brought the deal to me. So, again, it was, it was a lot of uh, interesting places playing and, you know, a lot of interesting stamps on the passport. How much does your basketball life experience from that experience at St. Joe's to 
going overseas, having to battle for everything. How much does this make you a better coach? Because I would imagine you have kind of a an emotional skill set toolbox available that you kind of know what a lot of these guys are going through when it comes to, you know, trying to get better, trying to make a team, stuff like that. You know, how much do you think that has all shaped you into a better coach? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's definitely helped, helped me a lot. You know, I view it as, you know, when I talk to some guys, like I've, I've been where you want to be and I've been where you don't want to be with this game of basketball. And, you know, I've, I've made mistakes and, you know, in my preparation and, you know, taking things for granted and, try to pass that knowledge along. Like, you know, I'll use the example of getting an opportunity to work with Paul Reed. I just remember us having our daily weekly talks. And I just remember like, Hey man, like I've been in your shoes. I understand like, you know, some of your frustrations and, you know, I I dealt with it wrong, but I want to help you deal with it. Right. And, you know, guide you a little bit more. You know, again, I think it having the unique experience of, you know, being able to play at a high level university, to be able to play at the highest level in the NBA and also, you know, going through the long road trips in the G League and the long flights overseas gives me a, a unique perspective where, you know, I just want to be able to use that to, to guide the players I get an opportunity to work with. What is your favorite part of coaching? Uh, I think my favorite part of coaching is just the connection. Just the the connection, the the seeing guys grow. Again, I use the example of Paul Reed. I'm so proud of that kid and just the, the work he's put in. And you know, I always I joke with him. I'm like, you know, I appreciate you listening to me a little bit. So, but yeah, just just it's it's rewarding to see you know guys put in the hard work and having a, you know hand on that a little bit to to guide guys. Does winning as a player and winning as a coach feel different? Yes and no. I think, you know, obviously, I, don't, I think you can use, you can never discount, obviously, you know, you know, being on the floor and actively having a role in, you know, scoring or preventing baskets, and things like that. But what I didn't realize getting into coaching is how much you get into it, how competitive you get as a coach versus, you know, whether it's the other coaching staff, coaches on, on your same staff, like how competitive it gets, and the juices get going and you know, when you when you get a big win, how rewarding it is, how exciting it is. Yeah, and that was kind of you talk about like working with a guy like Paul Reed. What is the feeling when something you guys have worked on, you know, maybe off on the side for a couple weeks and it, it comes to fruition in a big spot or in a game where it's just like, wow, we did that. You know, that is something I think unique to coaching. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's truly rewarding to understand like, you know, the, the work you're putting in, the time of preparation you're putting in, even before you get an opportunity to get on the floor with guys, to study the game and be able to, to implement it and express it to those guys and for them to be able to, to soak in that knowledge. Because again, you know, a lot of guys could, you know, be like, oh, okay, okay, okay. But to be able to, to have that connection with a guy and be able to help them get better is, is, is great, you know, to see something you, you work on with a guy actually translate well. Dwayne Jones, thanks so much for the time. Oh, appreciate you. Thank you. And that will do it for this week's episode. Want to thank St. Joseph's University assistant men's basketball coach Dwayne Jones for being our guest this week. Now, if you like this show, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave us a rating and a review. It would really help us out. Now, you can follow this show on the platform formerly known as Twitter, now known as X at one on one pod. You can follow me there as well at Matt Leon 1060. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to check us out again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about.